Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello again. This is Steve uh, Wilson coming back to you again on this podcast for our SALT class. And um, yeah, I was going through a series uh, uh, that I had done on the book of 1 Corinthians um, entitled The Contrast of Christianity. Unfortunately, for some unknown reason, I, I have misplaced my notes. I can't find them anywhere. I've cleaned my whole office, looked everywhere I can think of, and I can't find them. So I'm going to have to discontinue that uh, series and um, try a new one. I've got some notes here from when I was in college, actually, uh, on the book of Matthew. So I thought I'd give that a shot. We'll go ahead and um, <clears throat> do some work on that, see how it turns out, and we'll uh, we'll go from there, I guess. So I apologize if you were following the contrast of Christianity and 1 Corinthians, but unfortunately, it was a lot of work and uh, really a whole lot more than I have time to duplicate. So, um, And it wouldn't be consistent with the theme I was following, I don't think. So um, we'll just have to start a new one. So stay with me, hopefully, and we'll try to get through the book of Matthew. I'm looking through my notes here, and um, I guess what I'm going to do is um, I'll start with just kind of an introduction to the Gospels, the Gospels, of, the four Gospels of which, of course, are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Matthew's kind of the anchor Gospel there. Um, so I'll give you a general introduction for the four Gospels. Then we'll talk about a little bit about the Synoptic Gospels. I don't, that's S-Y-N-O-P-T-I-C, in case you're not familiar with that. And we'll, we'll talk about what that means and everything when we get into it. Um, of course, it's the, uh, the first three Gospels. And the reason they call them the Synoptic Gospels is they're, um, they're a little more similar, or a lot more similar, actually, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John kind of stands alone, but it follows the same um, theme for the four Gospels and presenting Christ in a different way. But anyway, we'll talk about the Synoptic Gospels. Then I'll give you some uh, introduction to the book of uh, Matthew. And then uh, then we'll, we'll run through an outline of Matthew just so you can kind of get that down in case you want to take notes or something of that nature or at least get a general idea of kind of where we're headed. Once we've got all that done, then we'll actually start into uh, Matthew uh, chapter 1, start going through some of the scripture there and uh, see what we can find. So, as I said, we'll uh, we'll get started on Matthew and we're going to begin with the introduction to the four Gospels. As I said, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what they do is they record the life and the earthly ministry of uh, Jesus Christ. Um, now, they don't contain a complete 
biography of, of Christ or the Eternal One, but they do reveal the personality of the Son of Man, the Son of God. And so it kind of gives you a picture of n- not just what he did. I mean, it tells a lot about what he did, but obviously, you know, he even said himself that there's not enough books in the world to contain all the things he did. But it does give you a, a good picture of the personality of Jesus Christ and how he's revealed to us in some in several different ways. Um, without doubt, I think these four Gospels, may, they're, they're the most important documents in the world. Any time they're talking about Christ, revealing Christ to us, I don't see how you can exceed the importance of that. But anyway, the four Gospels are given to us um, through four different viewpoints, or you know, four, by four different people and, and four different ways that they view Christ. And of course, this and you know, they, their background is revealed in the things that they recorded. Um, and the things that went into their life, of course, impact what they share. So uh, anyway, you get the you get the four different views, and I'll, I'll kind of tell you what they are in just a moment here. As I said, they were written by four different men, but they're also written for four uh, different audiences. <clears throat> they're um, not only four different audiences, but also uh, for different times. And they're for, and for that matter, also from four different perspectives. However, they do make up one harmonious whole. So when you put them all together, you begin to see Jesus Christ and how he is all things to all men. They don't record a complete story of Christ, but they do record a complete divine revelation. Uh, they don't describe the Lord Jesus Christ. They tell us almost nothing of of what they think of him, but they simply let him speak and act for himself they they just they just share events and facts and that sort of thing of course you begin to see their own personalities come through but more importantly you begin to see the personality of Jesus Christ the gospels were filled with a lot of old testament quotations allusions types symbols pictures um the old it's been said the old testament is in the new testament revealed and the New Testament is in the Old Testament contained. Um, so the Old Testament talks about things of the New Testament, and the New Testament reveals many of the things the Old Testament talks about. Four Gospels have uh, basically seven things that um, are, are, are similar. They're basically a sevenfold, a, a united sevenfold testimony, I guess is probably the best word for that. <clears throat> Uh, number one, they all reveal one unique personality, that that one personality, Jesus Christ. Um, and, and here are the four different ways that they reveal that personality. In Matthew, you see him revealed as the king, Christ the king. Mark reveals Jesus Christ as Christ the servant. Luke reveals Jesus Christ as the son of man. And then in the book of John, he is revealed as the son of God. So similarity, number one. Similarity number two is all four also record the ministry of John the Baptist, interestingly, because he is the forerunner of Christ. Um, It's been stated, of course, that he was the returning Elijah. And um, so that's kind of critical to the return of Christ to understand that prophecy and who he represented and, you know, how he was revealed. 
the third similarity is that they all record a miraculous feeding of the 5,000. Of course, most of you probably know that story and what actually happened there with the, the lad with the two fishes and five loaves of bread. Um, but you'll find that in all four of the Gospels. Um, similarity number four is they all record Christ's offer of himself as king. Um, while he is revealed as king in only in Matthew, all four Gospels um, report his offer as king, that Christ is the king, the, the, um, the king, the Messiah who was uh, prophesied in the Old Testament. Um, it's just that his personality as king is more revealed in Matthew. Uh, the fifth similarity is that they all record the death, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Christ. Um, of course, that's that's the basic, that's the good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Of course, the crucifixion involves the sufferings and so on, so it goes into more detail with regard to that. But, um, you know, that, that, that tells us how we're saved. And without that, there is no salvation. Similarity number... Six is that they all record the resurrection ministry of Christ. What he did when he came back to earth, and, you know, while he was here on this earth, and uh, and the things that he left us with. And then similarity number seven, uh, all of the four gospels point toward his second coming. So we do look forward to him coming back someday. Of course, first in the rapture, and then the second coming of Christ. And uh, you know, that's a whole different study. Uh, eschatology, but uh, right now we're just going to be looking at the things that are revealed in the four Gospels. Now, I mentioned to you the uh, synoptic Gospels. Um, between the first three Gospels, there's a uh, much closer interrelation in content, content and in manner of expression. They, they, they've consequently been called the synoptic Gospels because from the Greek uh, the word sin, S-Y-N, means together, and optonomai, which means to see. So together you see. You put the three together, it gives you a vision, gives you a clear view of Christ. And since they take a common view of the life of Christ, that's why you get that. Uh, the interrelation, or this interrelation has given rise to the to synoptic problems, uh, so-called problems at any rate, which is uh, briefly this. If the three Gospels are totally independent of each other in origin and in development. That, that is, by three different people of different times, although they, they you know, did live at the same time. Um, if, uh, if, they, you know, if they're totally independent in origin and development, why, why do they resemble each other so closely? In fact, there are passages in all three that uh, are literally identical, same wording. Now, so, you know, they, they obviously had uh, contact with some of the much, some of the same material, and of course, witnessed some of the same events. Um, so, you know, why do they resemble each other so closely? If on one hand they have a literary relationship to each other, how can how can they be three independent witnesses to the deeds and the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ? Did the writers of the Gospels copy each other's words, or did they just use the same common source, or did they collaborate? Interchange in the repetition of, of the narrative uh, preaching about Jesus would explain much of the material common to the synoptics. 
and while the personal research and the interest of the authors, of course, would explain materials particular to each. Um, the purpose of the evangelist should be taken into account. Each, each of the, the three men, while having the same materials and maybe oftentimes having possession of the other's material, depending on who came first, of course, um, you know, they, they would still interject their own particular personality and their own, uh, the points that they're trying to make, what they're trying to drive at, their own conclusions. So you have to take that into account, um, you know, even though they did possess much of the same material. The very um, differences between the writers do speak of independence. You can see differences, even though much of the writing is the same. You can see that there are differences in the things that they wrote about, and that shows that they were independent works. The similarities uh, reflect, of course, a common background of information and a common subject of writing and common inspiration of God. So, you know, maybe that talks a little bit about the similarities and the differences. You know, we're not going to go into a great depth with regard to each of these um, and, and the topics that, that, that I've mentioned. Perhaps we'll get a little deeper when we actually get into the study of the Word. But just as far as introduction's sake, I just want to kind of give you a broad overview of what we're looking at. Um, so, you know, this is going to bring us up to the introduction of Matthew itself. Um, Matthew is kind of a swinging door between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It, he kind of swings back in the Old Testament. He gathers up prophecies that were fulfilled at the first coming of Christ. And then he swings back into the New Testament. He talks of things future um, in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew, of course, is the writer of this gospel. He was known by another name, uh, which is Levi. And he was a Jewish tax collector out of uh, Galilee. Now, Matthew fully understood the Jewish messianic hope. They were looking for the return of Christ. They expected him to come at any time. They didn't know when he was going to come. They just missed, you know, that he did come. But nonetheless, Matthew was fully aware the messianic expectation of the Jews. And the gospel he wrote is designed to convince his own nation that the long-awaited Messiah is none other than Jesus of Nazareth. Um, Jesus, or Matthew was a Jew, and this was, this was paramount to him. He, he, when he was converted to Christ, he wanted the people to see who Christ really was. He was the king. He was the Messiah that they had been looking for. Prominent characteristics of Christ in this book is the covenanted kingdom, one you know, with whom the covenant was, you know, was given, and that he was part of the Davidic covenant and the other promises that were made. Main thing, uh, the main thing is the king and his kingdom. In fact, the word kingdom occurs 50 times in this gospel. The phrase the kingdom of heaven occurs 32 times in this gospel, uh, and it doesn't appear at once at all, even one time in any of the other gospels. Uh, the Jews understood the term the kingdom of heaven to be the sum total of all the prophecies of the Old Testament concerning the coming of the king from heaven to set up his kingdom on this earth with heavenly standards. You look at Daniel 2.44, 7.14, and, chapter 20, uh, and verse 27. Seven, chapter 7, verse 14, and verse 27, if you just want some cross-reference for that. Matthew's material is not always in chronological order uh, or sequence. Uh, he tends to arrange his material 
in a special order to, in order to emphasize that Jesus is the Messiah. That was his goal, and so that's the way he wrote it, to lead up to that point, to come to that conclusion. He wanted people, once he read his works, to draw this, that conclusion that Christ indeed was the king. For example, chapters 5 to 7, we have the Sermon on the Mount that, were, that Jesus taught. In chapters 8 and 9, we have a series of miracles, by no means in order of occurrence, which show what Jesus wrought. And then these miracles are followed by a series of reactions to Jesus, illustrating to us what the people thought. So that kind of gives you an idea of why he arranged things uh, the way he did. So next time uh, we get together, we'll get into, I'll try to go over the outline that we're going to use in the book of Matthew, in case you want to take some notes and get that picture down. And um, then we'll get started into the Word. So thanks for listening. We're at the end of this podcast. Hope to see you next time. God bless.